You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Nineteen thirty-five, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit City of Champions. Game on Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. That cat right there wrote a trilogy of books called Detroit City of Champions. And I met him at an art fair and he just went on about this book, and he was so excited about it. And then Matthew and I launched these podcast studios, and I'm like, you know who's got to tell a story? i got to get Charles Avison in here to tell his story about Detroit City of Champions. And as, as Charles started unfolding his story to me, uh, it, it, he had these uh, the wandering tales of a story. I call it, uh, tr- uh, yeah, tales of a traveling storyteller. Tra- tra- tales of a traveling storyteller. And, and, and the interesting people he he's met along the way while collecting this story and uh, Charles, today, once again, it's part two of many. Uh, tell yeah, we're, it's an undefined number of that is parts it. for this particular show, because one, one of the people that we talk about in the Tales of a Traveling Story, it actually, um, it be, before the Lions chapter, is Tom Urich, who we have for the Tom, uh, thanks for coming guest, back. Special well, thank guest you in for the show. Because you're. Harder. You're just a wealth of uh, uh, knowledge and connections and story because uh, you got to meet – you had the, the distinct privilege of, of meeting some of these guys, some of these Iron Men. Well, yes, the, the Lions from 35 and also Charlie Geringer. I was speaking earlier before we went on the air that uh, when I got involved in 1985, there was 179 – or 139 champions all combined and still living. The books. Still living, right? Yeah. Still living. And then when I got in it 50 years late, there was only 17 left. Yeah. And uh, consequently, uh, then I went to work to find them, and uh, the rest is history. I'm yeah. Not, well, the thing the that the thing that you know <laughs> me and you know me and Tom connected at one point. We talked about how me and Tom uh, met. In fact, I had almost forgotten how we connected. I mean, I remember where we had met. You know, we, we met at the Coney Island that one time. We had yeah. a great conversation. Um. Yeah, but the, but uh, one of the one, just one of the the coolest things in the world, at least you know, cool to me as a city of champions junkie. Is the fact that they they had this? Uh, it was the uh, the Lions go- Golden Huddle in 1985, right? Which was the which was a celebration of that 1935 championship, and Tom was there, and Tom recorded it. Tom interviewed these guys. There's a lot of stuff that he that he talked to about these guys that was not recorded, and that's why you know we you know the, one of the many reasons we bring him on the show. I mean. Um, is to talk is to really you know dive into his brain and extract as much information yeah. as we can about especially that golden huddle. And we're going to try um, to bring more more of those those, those clips in absolutely. Uh, in the coming yep. weeks. Yep. Yes. In the coming yes. weeks, we're going to actually play some of the audio, some of the interview questions, yep. and um, but also Tom's. In, you know, Tom has been um, uh, really closely. You know, Tom's done a ton of work down in Portsmouth. He's gone down. Right. There. He's made quite a few friends down there. Sure. Um, and it's so the the sisterhood of the traveling pants. I mean, uh, the tales of the wandering tale, tales of a traveling storyteller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that five percent close. I guess. <laughs> Something one, like that. Yeah, I think you got the right <laughs> on that entire statement. <laughs> wow, we're, we're butchered live, it. Folks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so uh, there's yet another person that we were going to. Uh, well, bring here's up. the thing: is I, I'll lead up to is the idea that um, that uh, that last week we were we were we were going back and forth talking about our favorite players. Yeah. We weren't talking about like Dutch Clark because everybody's favorite is Dutch Clark. I mean, he's the Hall of Fame. He's the charter member of the Hall of Fame for the Lions. 
And then uh, Tom mentioned Ernie, Ernie Cadell, and then I went off on this big thing about um, about Glenn Presnell being my favorite right. player, right? And so, anyways, you know, that got Tom to you know talking to a few of his Portsmouth buddies, and um, actually, we want to bring out a uh, our our second special guest today, our special special guest, Will Malt. We got him. It's just Tom's. He's just uh, and the reason. Hey. How you doing, Will? Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom, man. So it's we want to bring here, Charles. Yeah, we want to kind of surprise you? Tom with Will here, and um, and this is Will. You know, not only is he uh, in, coming in from Zoom, and he's in Portsmouth, right? If I'm not mistaken, right? Will, you're in uh, living here. I am. I am in Portsmouth. He lives in Portsmouth. He's broadcasting from Portsmouth, and um, he was actually Glenn Presnell's neighbor for how many years, Will? <laughs> oh, several years. I don't know. Uh, most of my life, I, I grew up here knowing about uh, Glenn all my life. Uh, yeah, Glenn was friends with everybody. So and, and Will Glenn is like was, knows like like everything. You know, he is, you know he's friends with he's friends with you know. Glenn, Glenn was no um, was not shy about talking about his time as a Portsmouth Spartan or as I'm sure as a Detroit Lion. No, no, and his name was Press now, and his nickname was the Press because he loved the press, and I always say. Before Deion Sanders in prime time, there was the press. Glenn press uh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, and you're leading right up. You're, yeah. you're leading up to where I want to go with this entire, you know, eventually with this show. Hopefully, is just the do is the versatility of Glenn Press now, which really was. Um, I mean, just a, a just. I mean, he was an, a, a multi. I mean, he was he was excellent at, at pretty much everything he did: offense, defense, kicking, you know, field goals. Um, he was a tremendous athlete. Oh, above all, he was a class individual. I, 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 that man had as much class as any man I've ever met in my life. He was just a classy individual. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, I mean, it's, uh, Tom briefly to press was at the, uh, the, but momentarily, he didn't you say he was, he was ill or something. Well, leave? when Ernie or when Aid Christian took me over, uh, Glenn was at the table and he halfway, uh, after the event, he left. He, he was not feeling well. And I was very sorry that I didn't get a chance to interview him. Because he introduced the colors to the Detroit Lions, the Honolulu yeah. Blue, up up in the Fisher Building in, in Richard's office. Yep, and I would have loved to have got him, but I didn't. Yeah, no, but that's yeah. So we got a, a you know supplementary source here with Will Mall, who you know I witnessed to to you know to uh, my favorite, you know, beside again, you know, and you say you know Dutch Clark is your favorite, you know, is you know he's just you know you, you got to sort of have Dutch as your favorite, but. But like I say, it for me, it's like you know, Glenn Presnell is is. As I said it last week in the show. Um, he was just, you know, the, you know, we talked about how pre, you know, press even before before he even came to Portsmouth, he played for the Irons and Tanks. And I was saying last week, I'm like, if you really wanted to get us some real football mm-hmm. history, like some real leather leather helmet, mm-hmm. you know, football history that you know, you look into the Irons and Tanks. Um, cause like it's and then Presnell, like uh, I mean, I was actually kind of making sure I had a few notes on him today for it. And I and last week I said I think he beat the Chicago Bears. I think I forgot if it was the Bears or the Giants that he beat. Well, he beat both of them. He was the you know he was the um he was yeah. the, oh so they so while he was with the Ironton Tanks in 1930, um uh, the Ironton Tanks beat both the New York Giants and the Chicago Bears in the same season. Like I mean, and this is like supposedly a semi-pro team. So um this is you know and Presnell was like the uh, the number one guy. So that's what I mean. And- like, I don't mean to interrupt, but when, no, he was in college, in. When, he, when he was in college, they say he single-handedly defeated the four horsemen. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's what I've heard. And he was an All-American in 19, uh, 1927 with the uh, University of Nebraska. 
So this is like a, you know, he was born in Nebraska, um, you know, you know, all American at Nebraska, which is just like one of the all time great, you know, you, you know, college football teams. And so, um, you know, he's like one of the first, you know, great, um, you know, Nebraska corn huskers. And so, you know, it's like, you know, you get a corn husker all American on your team, you know, it's like, but it's just such a great thing. You know, he comes to the Ironton tanks, you know, and they beat the you know two NFL teams. And I read actually, I was looking at my own books real quick, doing a little refresher, uh, you know, some of the stuff with the press now. And he said that he joined the Iron. He had, he actually was offered by several different NFL teams, including the New York Giants. Um, and he actually chose uh, Ironton um, because they guaranteed him a uh, a job as a was a science teacher. Oh, okay. And so as a science, he actually said, it, you know, there's a quote in the in the book in the, in the third book I have where he actually says. You know, the idea was that I was getting paid more as a combined teacher slash football player than I was as just a football player. Wow. And the other thing, too, is if my football career failed, then I knew I could fall back on being a science teacher, um, you know, as a for, you know, as a job for the rest of my life type of a situation. So he actually chose the Ironton Tanks over the NFL and um, and then eventually chose I'm, the NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like Tom Urich. I get a little teary eyed every once in a while. But Glenn came to my house. And uh, played with my children. My children are 31 and 30 now. They were probably two or three. And he came to the house and held their hands and played with them when oh. when they were little. You know, I mean, how many professional athletes? That's awesome. Were, did, he, did he like throw yeah. the football around the yard or anything with yeah, him? Yeah, I've got. I, I had the football <laughs> out here earlier. He signed for me. Oh, nice. And I took I took it out of its case. And oh, it, oh, the the odor was terrible. I had to put it out. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, do you have it on you? I mean, you can hold it up to the camera and show it. Shows what you, what you if you got it. I'll, I'll, or is it that I'll bad? I'll send my to get it now. Oh, okay, okay great. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I wanted to read a quote because I've got a quote from um, Glenn Presnell's mouth about his victory with the when he was on the Ironton Tanks about mm-hmm. how they beat the Giants and Bears. And it's not too long, but I but I think it's a thrilling quote, and I thought it was a, a great opportunity yeah, to yeah, show, yeah. Um, you know, for one thing to you know bring a little life back into Glenn's own, you know, uh, you know his own words, himself speaking, and also to talk about, um, you know, just how how cool these two victories were. So this is from the my third book here, and it's uh, um, and, and the the quote comes from another book called What a Game They Played, which is a, a great little a great you know a great uh, football uh, early thirties um, football book. So this is Press now talking about his two victories over those two NFL teams with the Irons and Tanks in 1930. So when I played with the Tanks, we beat the New York Giants 13 to 12 in 1930. The Giants had a fine team that year. Benny Friedman was their quarterback and he was the best passer in the NFL. They also had Steve Owen in the line and his brother Bill and they had Red Bagro on, at, at an end. They were beating us 12-6 with only a short time to go in the game. I was playing safety at the time and we held them back in their own territory and forced them to punt. I caught the punt, it was a short one, and ran it out of bounds to stop the clock. I asked the timekeeper, the referee, how much time there was left to play. They kept the time on the field in those days. The referee had a stopwatch, no electric scoreboards. Anyway, he looked at his watch and said, looks like you got about three seconds left. I went back to the huddle and called a forward pass play. The Giants rushed me real hard and I was trapped in the backfield, but somehow I was able to sprint out of it. I ran across the field with the Giants everywhere chasing me. Well, their backs on defense thought at this point I was running the ball, so they relaxed their pass coverage and came up to tackle me. I spotted this this little halfback we had by the name of Gene Alford standing down in the end zone, frantically waving his arms, and so I just flipped the ball to him, about 30 or 40 yards, and he caught it. We kicked the extra point and beat them 13-12, and it was the New York Giants team that had gone 13-4 and in the NFL that year. 
So that's the New York Giants section. So here's this, the the, Bear, the Chicago Bears one is a little bit shorter. So we played the Bears shortly after, and they had Red Grange and Bronco Nagurski. Anyway, as good as the Bears were, and they were very good, we beat them too, 26 to 13. Everything seemed to go right for me that day. I remember breaking off tackle on one run and going 88 yards for a touchdown, and I got two touchdown passes that day as well. The reason we played so hard in that game, I truly believe, is because we were very scared, especially of Nagurski, who everyone had heard all the war stories about. We didn't want to get annihilated, and as a result, we really got keyed up for the game. On the other hand, the Bears figured this little team from Ironton would be a real soft touch, and they consequently didn't get up for the game. Wow. So the, the first game, like what a <laughs> the last second touchdown by yeah. Fresnel. In the second one, he ran for a touchdown, threw for two. You know, like you know, he's you know, he's a, he's a stud, man. So I, I I love Detroit. I visited Detroit many times, but Glenn talked talked to me about the championship game in '32 when the Spartans played the Bears, and he claimed he had a play called in the huddle, and the Spartans had ran it the way he wanted. The Spartans would have won that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. We did an entire show in the 1930, really like a show and a half on yeah. the 32 championship that inside the Chicago uh, Chicago well, Stadium. I don't know if you can see my one of my most prized possessions, but there's there it is. Yeah, we can there's see it. Yeah. yeah. Tom's got a clap yeah. over here for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Can I ask Will a question? Yeah, yeah absolutely, Tom. Yeah. Will, how did you meet uh, Glenn? He was his neighbor. I- Oh, he was the neighbor. Yeah, he was his neighbor. For- he, he was the neighbor, meaning he lived in Ironton. He he actually, I I got a uh, letter in, uh, I got a uh, postcard in the mail about buying Portsmouth, Portsmouth Spartan, Chicago Bears, Beerstein, commemorating the championship game in 32. And a week later, Glenn Presnell was at my house. I don't oh. know how that happened. It was an act of God. Uh Things just went right for Glenn. Glenn was a man of faith, and things just went accordingly with with Glenn, you know. Yeah. So, Will, tell me a little bit about Portsmouth, because uh, you own a business there. What's what's the business? Um, uh, it's Salda River. Uh, it's, a, it's a steak and rib and chicken restaurant, mainly known for the steaks. And uh, Glenn and my dad, my, my dad's been gone since Father's Day of last year, but Glenn uh, wanted a wanted uh, the dining room to be a commemorative of the Spartans. And my dad agreed with him and they, they set it up as such. And that is actually where I met Tom Urich. Oh, is it? Okay. What a, that's great. Well, actually it was the second time because the first time I was in the river was with uh, Bob Morton and you weren't there. And I went down there's uh, his restaurant is fabulous. Uh, if there's one picture, I've heard about. I heard it's like and a that's river R I B B E R. And I went down the aisle and I said, "Gee, I interviewed him and I interviewed him." And I think the waitresses thought I was crazy, uh, but but it was an actual fact. And then the second time, I was with Mister Morton again, and I went to pay my bill at the bar, and Will was there, and that's how we met. And it's been inseparable ever since, Will. And I want to thank you because yes. what you've done yes. is, is fabulous down there. We tried to keep him a hey, secret Tom, coming on here, Tom. We wanted to surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's great to see. It's great to be on the show with you, fellas, I tell you. So, Will, but tell me a little really bit is. about uh, Portsmouth and it being a, a sports town, especially a, a football town. Because Detroit, I mean, that's part of the reason why we're doing the podcast is because 1935 in the, in the Lions and that they were victorious and that so many teams in the city were victorious that year is forgotten. Uh, but it, well, seems like, it seems like the Spartans are, are still alive and well in, in Portsmouth. Yeah, the memory. Uh, 
it, Portsmouth was an industrial town back back when it was industrial, and it came down to Green Bay was agricultural, and Green Bay outlasted the Spartans because during the Depression because they were agricultural, I'm told, and that's why Green Bay survived. But the Spartans stay alive in Detroit. They're the Detroit Lions yes. today. Yeah, you know, we cheer oh, yeah. for the Lions. And, well, you know. and Portsmouth also has the stadium that the Portsmouth that the Spartans play. Yeah, there are in. And stadiums the stadium, exist. And that stadium is like the cool. Yeah, Tom's got the shirt on right now. He's showing this it is off. The, this is the shirt that I ran uh, Spartans or at Spartan Stadium Universal. I was so proud of that. I went. Uh. Up, I exercised, went up to 100 and, and 100 back. And uh, I you did a 100-yard dash And I there? was thinking, gee, Red Grange was on this field. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so great about that field. That's what's so great about that field. Can you yeah, throw up yeah. a shot of the oh, yeah. current shot of the stadium? Because the, cause the that, current stadium that, is, you just typed in uh, Universal. Yeah, I Portsmouth oh, Spartans, 1933. Portsmouth Spartans Stadium, just type in that. But they, um, but yeah, the Portsmouth Spartans Stadium, because I was down in Portsmouth, um, and uh, that stadium is just like, I mean, it is as nostalgic as you get. I mean, there, I can't is. imagine that there's hey, anything thanks, else guys. in the country. I can't imagine that there's anything else in the country that is like a nostalgic leather helmet football field than that Portsmouth Stadium. Yeah. And I, when you're a little yeah. kid, when you're a young kid and you're playing on that field, you know the history. And yeah, the high school team played. Right they're, they're telling you about the history of that stadium. And at least mine did. And you walk, you go out on that field, and you think you're out there where all those greats have played, and you might be ten years old, and there you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean the high school team plays out on that still, don't they? Yeah, that, yeah the God, Notre what a Dame cool. high school still does. Fortress Trojans high school team used to. Yeah, what a the great Notre Dame uh, Titans still do. Do you have one of the brick siding on there? Is there a picture of the all brick right. siding? So yeah, so we got the the stadium. So up we got there. the stadium shown on the screen Boy, right now for anybody. Back memories. Yep. So that, that's the interior of the stadium. The outside is that my outside is my favorite. I love the brick because the brick is like, then, like gray. Yep. So that there's the exterior. Yeah. There's shops. yeah. There's like the exterior. I mean, it looks like that. Um. It. I mean, you can just see that that is like yep. straight out of the 30s. It's just such. Yeah. And they and Portsmouth has done such a great job. They they do a barbecue. I think every year that. Um. Am, am I mistaken on whether they have? Don't you? Wasn't there a barbecue? We, we there was a barbecue last year. You're exactly a fundraiser. Right. Blues and brews. Yeah, there I you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need some fundraiser yeah, to there. keep the care. Yeah, that's great. I was there. Yeah, it was a great time. So, so I think you kind of will. You answered the question already, but uh, so who who do people in, in Portsmouth cheer for? Well, they cheer for a little bit of everybody, but okay. they do cheer for the Lions. Okay. I think everybody has a little piece of the Lions in their heart. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, no, that's not, yeah, yeah uh, we. We've got Cincinnati Bengal fans. Uh, uh, the Bengals have visited uh, our restaurant, The River, and uh, we've got Cleveland Brown fans, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. But overall, I'd say everybody's somewhat of a Detroit Lion fan because of the Spartan connection. That, that's, yeah, and one that's of the things that I thought was interesting at Portsmouth because I was um one of the things I was trying to do is uh, you know bring professional baseball in there because you guys the, the baseball stadium there is just so cool I love it I'm like I mean I love that I, the baseball park there was built by or it was Branch Rickey somehow arranged to build the park it was built in 1935 right after the Lions left and uh, it's just a beautiful little baseball park but one of the things that I was down there when I was uh you know looking into you know the Portsmouth is there's a there's just besides the Lions and the Spartans. There's a ton of just all these every there's connections between Detroit and Portsmouth. 
it's kind of the strange thing because it's like a, what is it, like a seven hour, eight hour drive from Portsmouth? Oh, no, less than that. Something it's about, like that. It's about two hundred and eighty miles. So maybe like seven, six, two, seven hours, yeah. something like that. But the strange two ninety one, two hundred ninety one miles okay. from Portsmouth to Detroit. Yeah, but yeah. but the strange thing is that you know there's a ton of cities between here and there, and there's a ton of cities in a you know in, in, within an eight hour range from Detroit into the west or to the east or whatever. And it's just the strangest thing because I was actually really looking into Portsmouth, you know, as a connection for like a baseball, you know, to do something, you know, modern pro baseball there. And there was so many different connections. Like there's just the people from Detroit's name pop up there for, for stuff that has nothing to do with the, the Spartans and the Lions or whatever. And it was just really it, it was just odd to me that it was like that there was like I mean, there has been like a, a connection with Detroit and, and Portsmouth for a long time. Not besides just this. It's weird. Well, when I read the book, I was so proud that uh, on the first introduction to the Lions, you had the picture of Portsmouth players playing in the stadium. Sure. And, and you brought Portsmouth in. You could have started with 1934 sure. when the Lions started, and everybody would have thought, well, gee, they, they were just a built-up team. Yeah. But you included Spartans well, it's, and, absolutely, and, and Portsmouth. Yeah. And what I was telling Will is, believe it or not, Portsmouth and Detroit were sister cities. Well, that's what that's what I'm trying to figure out. I've never really got a satisfactory answer to that question. Like, why is there that sisterness between? I mean, it's an eight, like I say, they're eight hours away. There's you well, know, where I, is that connection? When I was down there, I, on my first visit, I ran the field, and then when I went off, there was a sign there that said the Spartans left and went to Detroit. Yeah, but the sign we, didn't say. Like they went and added to Detroit to the city of champions and they won a championship. The people yeah. in Portsmouth, most of them don't know just what encompassed when those 12 players left and they joined the team. No, I get that. But you see what I'm saying? Like there's a couple, there's other connections. I wish I had the examples yeah, to listen for me, but. Um, work. People left Portsmouth to go to Detroit to work. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, I can see that. Well, yeah. That, yeah, that's, there was that connection. Yeah. Well, that's but true. But it's just will. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there's, there's just, it seemed like when, it, when I was doing that research thing, there was just so many, uh, um, different, um, little things that they were sort of connected. And, um, yeah, so uh, I, I did find out a couple of things while I was really kind of interesting things that Portsmouth set the world record for, there was two world records, Guinness Book of World yeah. Records set in Portsmouth in the last couple of years. Yeah, you had the, yeah. um, you had the largest, the largest number of Christmas care, what was the largest number of Christmas carolers? Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the largest number of Christmas carolers ever assembled. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was it? What was the second one? Tell me this. Remind me. The second, it was the. Um, what was the second one, baby? Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, the large. I got it right now. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's the large. It was the large. What was the largest? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Do you have it, Will? No, I don't. It was. It no, it was the second one. I, I hate to put you on the spot. Sorry about that. It's. Um, I think it was, it was the largest. Uh, Largest number of Lions fans? No. Uh, no. <laughs> it was uh, – I thought it was the largest number of like – like there was a big street cleanup or something. I think that – something like yeah. the lar largest number of potted plants. That's what it was. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Everybody turned out to pot – to plant uh, – to pot like flowers and plants to decorate the entire downtown. And it was like the largest yeah. number all at one time. I just thought – I was like, most, damn. Like, yeah, most people potting plants. Most right. people potting plants. <laughs> And, and I thought it was cool because like, both of those things are community efforts, you know what I mean? That you actually have yeah. to get people geared up to turn out to do something. And I always thought – I just thought those were – I thought those were just really cool. I'm they like, also man. set the uh, world gift wrapping record as oh, well. Oh, really? When? Yeah, recently? gift wrapping. All right. Yeah. Was it recently? They got carolers. They got planting. Was that and they recently? Got 
I don't know. Oh, okay. But I'm saying like that. So I, I'm um, always, I love Portsmouth. I love the spirit out there. You guys, oh you know, it's um, and I, you know, like we I said, try. I'm, try. well, I'm glad to have that. I'm glad there's that connection between Detroit because I think we got a lot of, you know, there's, I think there's substance out in this area too. And you got, you know, Portsmouth's got substance and I'm glad to, you know, you know, kind of bring we've that got out. A lot of, we've got some history. We, yeah. we, we do. Yeah. 2019, yeah. they uh, set a record. There you go. See, 14, that's awesome. 1,482 gifts. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like it's yeah. you know it's it's just cool. Like every it's, those are community like mobilization efforts, yeah. and uh, it's it's cool. I like I say I I enjoy well, every person I, I met from there has been great. Hey, thanks for acknowledging yeah. that, guys. I appreciate that. That's very nice. Well, I highly recommend uh, visit all people to go to Portsmouth uh, for a trip because yeah. it's, it's it's fabulous. And by all means, stop into the river because you're going to see pictures there. And yeah, take, and take the little ones. Because you'll see pictures they can't believe of all the Spartans and the Lions. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's great. Well, I used to make my trek to Dearborn, and I would watch Ohio State play Michigan. And if I was lucky, I would catch the Lions play the next day. And I was talking about faith. And I was in uh, Dearborn, and I went to a, De- or a Michigan-Ohio State game. And the next day, I went to a San Francisco-Detroit Lion game. And guess who they brought out at halftime in the Model T and honored? And I had no idea it was going to happen. Glenn Preston. Oh, did they really? That's awesome. <laughs> really? What year wow. was that? What year was that, Will? It was back in the 90s. I don't remember what year it was. You said they I brought him in, out in a Model T? But wow. they, I don't know why some they kind of chose a Model T, but they brought him out in a Model T. And he had on a new Detroit Lions jersey. And they honored him at halftime. Wow. I remember uh, Barry Sanders was still playing for the Lions at that time. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty special because I had no idea that my friend was going to be honored at halftime in that game. Yeah, what a coincidence, too. You're like, did you see him, like, across the yard the next day and go, hey, nice, I saw you on the game the other day, you know? That that is – I never knew that, Will. That is fabulous. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. It had to have been early 90s, uh, mid-90s, I would imagine, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 So, so anything else off the like, sort of the, uh, the, the like top of your head that kind of that pops up about Glen? Like, you know, sort of a wild card story or anything? No, uh, that I, it'd be tough to top that story. Yeah, right yeah, there. you're right. That is uh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, now, enjoy. We used to go to a restaurant in Dearborn called the Topper. No, uh, well, uh, yeah, the Topper. Yep. the top. Yep. So, Will. Um, in in your dealings with Glenn, I, I lost where I was going with that. Um, good guy. Why do you think he settled back uh, where he settled? Why do you think he came back to Ohio? Because he was like, wasn't he like Nebraska or something like that? Was born in Nebraska, yeah, yeah. Why do you yeah. think? Why do you think he came back to uh, to Ohio? Well, he he went to Kentucky to start with, and he was a EKU uh, athletic director, athletic director and football coach. And one of his star players was uh, Lee Majors. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. Six million dollar man. Six million dollar man. Yeah. Wow. Lee, Lee, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. Uh, I don't know. Glenn, Glenn was just special. Glenn was just special. Glenn was special. Whether he, whether he was in a football on the football field, it wouldn't have mattered where Glenn was. Glenn was just a special, special person. You know. Well, Tom talked a little bit about the on the um, last one about how the how these players, even after they'd come to Detroit, that there was still an affinity between them and Portsmouth. Yeah, and like is yeah. that even like at the party, like when he first walked up to the table, um, there was there's two tables, in fact, and in, in like the group of players that had played together in Portsmouth all sat at one table, 
And the other table was like sort of like they call them like the new guys, you know, like even though it was 50 years later, they're like, oh, those are the new guys from 1934, 35 when they were, you know, when they first came, when they came to Detroit, it was guys that never played with them at Portsmouth. So there was still sort of that. Um, you well, know, there was separate a, there was tables. two teams. There was really the Ports, uh, Detroit Lions and the Portsmouth Spartans. And, yeah. and, and you could see that when I went to the reunion. And uh, talking to the Spartans, they really uh, coming to Detroit. There was only twelve of them. They didn't know who they were going to play with. They didn't have a field, and they felt so sorry for the ones left behind. Yeah, that that was a tragedy. Yeah, but, story. They, but they still had that same kind of. But they still had that. I guess I'm trying to you know answer the question about why he you know end up you know back in Portsmouth, back in Ohio, Glenn Presnell because. You know, for the, a lot of these guys, this is like the, the, that special point in their lives, man. They, you know, they really attach themselves to that area. Well, didn't, uh, Will, didn't uh, Glenn live in, Port, in Ironton? Yes. Oh, so he moved back to Ironton. Yeah. That's what yes, I mean. Like, yeah, Ironton. even better. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Ironton. Uh-huh. That's right. cool. And, and I, one of his players, too, was uh, Coach Miller, who coached Wheelersburg High School. And uh, Coach Miller won a few uh, state championships in Ohio himself. And he was one of uh, Glenn's uh, players at uh, EKU. Yeah. No, is yeah. isn't? Am I mistaken? Is that stadium that the Ironton Tanks used to play in? Is it still in Ironton? Is it still up? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, that's awesome. And the, the original yeah, bleachers think, are uh, still there and everything. Those the yeah, concrete bleachers. I'm that's pretty awesome. sure of that. Yes. Yeah, so, that yeah. might be a tougher photo to find. I don't know if that's on there, but uh, well, will when did when did uh, Glenn go to did Ironton when he left Portsmouth? He lived in Detroit for a while, and then he moved back to Ironton. Is is that the story of his trail? And well, like I said, he was at EKU, Eastern Kentucky University, uh, in Kentucky as their athletic director and coach. That's where he coached Lee Majors and uh, Coach Miller. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the timeline to be honest with you, okay. uh, Tom. Uh, you know. I don't know. Well, so I wanted to lead back in a little bit to what we were talking about, at, at, you know, sort of at the beginning is like the, you know, the um, multi, um, the mul- like the, really to, you know, maybe to uh, shed a little, shed a little. Uh, light on the, um, like what type of player Glenn Presnell was. And we talked about, like, you know, set for us for a second earlier on, like the Deion Sanders, like the offense and defense. But um, Glenn Presnell, I think, was even like, you know, Deion was fantastic. Deion was phenomenal. He was offense and defense. That's true. But back then, they they literally played both ways. Um, they you know like literally like that was the game. You literally played both ways, and um, it wasn't like a you know like in Glenn Presnell, what he I think what he excelled at was um, that like li- everything. I mean, he was a runner, he was a passer, he was a def- he was an elite defensive back. Um, he like he he kicked the we I talked about it you know the other show. He kicked the longest field goal in NFL history wow. in 1934. Um, you this know who guy broke that. Dempsey broke that field goal record. Well, yeah, they hit, so it lasted for 17 years, that record did, yep. and then it didn't get broken by the Lions until 1995 by Jason Hansen. I mean, Hansen. that's how long it lasted. Crazy. Their first yeah. year, they said, the first year, they, uh, you know, Presnell sets the all-time record, and we actually have a photo, which I would think you guys are going to get a kick out of. Um I actually had this in my book. I brought we brought it in for the show. Oh yeah, there you are. Yeah, so this is a, this is the actual. These are photos, I, and I don't want to say this is the actual kick, but they but they kind of advertised it in the newspaper as the as the actual kick. They didn't say whether it was or not, but it came out the week after uh-huh. um, this photo. So I don't know if this was somewhat staged or whatever, but um, the top one definitely was because there's nobody. They're not facing anybody, but you can see how he's like 
uh, there's a little dotted line that shows um, Presnell. Um, this comes out of a newspaper, so it's kind of grainy. But he's but he's uh, booting the ball, and they have a little arrow on top of the dotted line saying 54 yards. <laughs> you see, it's like you know the the distance is way you know way deep. And then the the and it's I know it's really very small and pr- probably uh, impossible to read for for anybody. But the little text at the bottom, it's a story by Potsy Clark. And mm. Potsy Clark, one of the things that was so cool about him. Um, the, you know, we did four episodes on Potsy Talk. I, the, the episodes were the genius of George Potsy Clark. Um, and one of the coolest things about Potsy was, uh, it was that besides like his role as a coach, you know, general man, basically a general manager, um, was that he was a teacher. Like he loved to teach football. Like he wrote a book, like how to play football. He wrote like, he, like the article that you see right there, the little, the little uh, small text that's like I said, impossible to read. He's at his, is a story of him talking about how that they had kicked this. And he's in this, in this, to summarize the story, he was like, you know, sure enough, Glenn had the leg. Glenn had the accuracy. Glenn did the kick, but it took 11 men to make this happen. And I'm going to tell you how, you know, like, and so he was like, these two guys had to block the outside. These two guys had to block the inside. And then these two guys worked together. So he was like, and so at the very last, the, like the, the culmination of his description is Glenn made the kick, but the team, but you know, the team made it, you know, possible, you know, like he, you know, like it was, it was, the, it was a team success as much as it was a Glenn Presnell success. So that was, uh, you know, that's that, um, that Potsy element. But so, yeah, so like I say, you know, Glenn in this first, this was the third game of the season. They, they beat Green Bay three to nothing with this 54 yard touchdown or, you know, I'm sorry, field goal. And it set the all time <laughs> record in their third week as a, as a franchise Amazing. that lasts until 1995. That's just, that's just, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable that, like I said last week, how they ever got up. Team on the field, yeah, in and then were incredible. All once the they disarray did. they yeah. had, and they were trying to help the Portsmouth Spartans left behind. Try to find them a job because if to play football, if not, they had to be in the unemployment line. Yeah, and and the sadness in those players were telling me uh, it was just unbelievable. And they, like I said last week, they put a little P under there when they played the championship game. That was to remind of the people left behind yeah. for the Portsmouth players. That's what I mean. They they had that those attachment. That, that was a, that. I mean, that was um. Yeah, I mean, that was like. I mean, this was a, a precious time in their lives. I mean, you can see it. I mean, it, it was a precious time to me during the time that I knew Glenn. Glenn, Glenn, like I said, he. He treated he treated everybody like family. He the Portress family, the Ironton family. He he loved everybody. He was friends with everybody. Glenn he, never met a stranger. And he, he lived to be ninety. Very, didn't he live to be like nine? Was it ninety nine when he passed? Ninety nine. And I was hoping he'd make it to a hundred because a hundred yards on a football field. Oh now. yeah. Hoping, you know, but he made it to ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, Charles, you pulled down a, a couple of images um, out of the book. What else did you pull down that you wanted to share with us today? Uh, I mean, which, which – um, There was one other I one. I sent you like five or six, I think. Four. Um, <laughs> oh, was it four? Mm-hmm. I missed you know, there, four, six, you know, somewhere right. in there. <laughs> so there was the, the first one. That, that, that picture accompanied the, the yeah, story that you read earlier. Yeah, so we got a so photo up on screen. It's a great shot of uh, Glenn Presnell in 1927 as a Nebraska All-American. Wow, 1927. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, the the the. But I love I love that. I'll go back to that real quick. Yeah, yeah. The reason I love that this there's this you know you know a lot of times like you know modern day fans they look back at the 30s and they see these guys and especially time, a lot of times the film you know the speed of the film is sped up so the guys are just running around super fast and like you can't you know and the guys look smaller than they do today and it's just and it's it's a lot of times modern day fans kind of like 
um, kind of overlooked. Uh, you know, the players, the thirties, players in the thirties, they were smaller. They wore leather helmets. That was like an archaic age. I don't want this guy coming at but me. But that's what I'm saying. Look at this. <laughs> that's what I love about this picture. Look at this picture at Glenn Presnell. Yeah. I mean, this guy. You know, this is this is a guy that looks like he was like you know a center block. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a guy's a halfback quarterback plays offense, defense. I mean, special teams. That's just <laughs> that's the part of the game. Especially, they even call it special teams back then. That was just like the part of the game. You know, <laughs> like and. The, Teach and teaches science in the yeah, offseason. Yeah, and teaches science that's in the offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, this guy, he just looks like he's made of granite. This doesn't look like, you know, like, you know, anybody that questions this idea that football is like, oh, yeah, you know, the 30s were like, you know, that was like, you know, archaic era or whatever. Super. Yeah, play both ways on offense and defense. And, you know what I mean? Like, back in the 30s, you know, like, this guy, like I say, he did not, you know, in his peak, you know, this is a guy that – um you know what I mean? Like he's gonna run somebody over or something. You know, like you know who he looks like? Dope Walker. Yeah. Oh. He yeah. Looks no, almost like Dope Walker. Yeah, but he is. In either case, he is solid. And you know, like say like um. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, that's why I love that photo because it's got him. And this is a great little shot we have here. This is a, a 1934 Game Five yeah. uh, program cover with um Glenn Presnell on it. Oh, is and, that? Yep, and then so uh in and so um I actually have a little text in the bottom that says um on this day uh Presnell ran for a touchdown uh to finish a fourth quarter drive that had started by when he intercepted a pass from a oh. boss from the Boston quarterback. So he sets so that's that was a little note about that game. So he inters you know, this is this that's just one little example. He intercepts a pass on one end of the field and then uh fi- you know uh, r- runs for the touchdown on the other end. You know, this is a whole different game back then. Yeah. You know, playing I mean? both sides of the ball you're regularly. Both si- exactly. It's a totally. That's what I mean. Like, I mean, not, not to say that football. I think is you know, I think it's a great sport. You know, I love watching it. Um, but it's just a different style of game. You know, it's you, when you got play and you got a guy that's can, that on one side he gets the interception, the other side. I mean, it's it's incredible. Well, you yeah. want to remember in, in '34 they could only allow 25 players. Yeah. So and, yeah, and when, smaller rosters. And when yeah. players went down, you know. Dutch Clark even went in uh, when they were playing Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, they they had injuries. Dutch Clark went in and played. Yeah, they defense. played. Yeah, that's what, well. They yeah they Dutch played defense when he was in there too. He played Absolutely. both ways. All the Dutch was a phenomenal defender. Yeah, right. they both played. Yeah, but there's you know there there's you know he's a defensive back, quarterback, halfback. He's whatever the team needs him to be. And um, so anyways, I love that that little program coverage. It's a great little you know that's from that's from their first season game yeah. five. And then also, a, I'm told that the Spartans back in the day, back in the the back when they were the Spartans, they stayed with the local, with the residents uh, during practices. Oh, sure. And, and some, yeah, they, uh, yeah. Well, I didn't uh, know they, that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they're trying to save money. I mean, it was a, you know, they, yeah. they were all in the middle of the Great Depression. They were, you know, they were, um, they were, you know, they were, they were, they were in, it was a tough spot. You know, all, all the teams in the 34 were in very tough shape. Yeah. There was only 13 teams. Yeah. There was, I mean, they're all in tough shape. So um, what else we got, Tom? Is that oh the, yeah yeah yeah? There was this one that you pulled. Down. Oh yeah, this is some photos in action. You see, uh, this is a 1934. We have a, a shot with the uh, um, uh, Glenn Presnell. Uh, he's breaking up a pass in 19. In a, um, and who was the guy? Bill Hewitt. So he's you know this is Bill Hewitt. We talked about him briefly. He's a Chicago Bears end that's in the Hall of Fame. He was the last one of the last guys that what that never wore a helmet. And um, there's there's a it's photo crazy. at the top here where uh, Presnell's just mugging him. You know, he's he's got his he's like he's breaking up a pass from behind, like he's like reaching both arms around Bill Hewitt's neck to break the pass up. 
And so I just, you know, it's just a, it's such a great little, you know, it's obviously from a newspaper. It's pretty grainy, but, um, you get the idea. Like, I mean, he's, you know, Bill, you know, Bill Hewitt was a, you know, much larger than him. Yep. We're it, still here. It's just where, the, so, TV's and then, up. so the bottom photo is a yeah. picture from a 1936. Uh, it, it was, this is a tradition that's really lost on today that it, it doesn't happen anymore. Um, it's something, this is a whole nother story into itself. Which is so this so the bottom photo is um, Presnell uh, carrying the ball on offense, mm-hmm. and the, and it comes from 1936 after the Lions had won that first championship, and in this case they were playing against the uh, the the um, the college all stars because the the tradition was is that there was a in Chicago this is a big Chicago, I think it was a Chicago Tribune event, and what it was was that whatever NFL team won the championship. Would face off in Chicago, the you know, at the in sort of like a preseason game against um against the college all stars. Okay, so all these like all stars from college, so it'd be a big game against um you know it was almost like a like we we're talking about like the like the Lions had that tryout with the varsity versus uh, JV or varsity versus freshman. It's so, sort of similar. Like how cool would that be today if you had a, a you know college all star game against the you know, the Patriots or something like that to see how these guys well, stood up. Well, the last up. game played was 1958, and it was Detroit Lions oh, yes. played the college All-Stars. And oh, okay, you do remember then. it then, Tom. Okay, good. So I didn't I, realize I it lasted the, that I long. I watched that game on television. So how well, how was the com- how competitive was it? Was it, was it the you... college All-Stars beat the world champion Really? Lions. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes, they beat them. So uh, that's because yeah. I, I read a few things in there, you know, in the past, for the, you know, briefly, I didn't do too deep of a dive into the college All-Star game, but I saw a couple other losses. And I think the Lions tied in 36. I forgot the... I forgot the score off the top of my head, but I think they I think they might have tied. But there was a couple other losses mixed in. I mean, there was there was the college all stars were good. Like you know, every year they would be a challenge. Great teams. I mean, yeah. the, the best the best there was in college. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I wonder why that. The, I just wonder why that tradition went away because it was regular. If you're talking about it in 1958, and this is 36, and it was already a regular tradition at this yeah. point. They'd been doing it for at least five years, um, leading into 36. Yeah, probably the just they. Decided to drop it. I well, guess. yeah, they decided. Just, but I'm wondering why, because to me that would be a one. What I mean, you know, football is, you know, any type of unique element in yeah. sports would be huge, and it's to me it seems like something that, uh, um, you know, would 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 draw a lot of fans. You know, it's probably that competitive sure. edge about you know getting into the world of advertising and you know, yeah, but you know, but, to, but the who, NFL who gets the money and yeah, uh, but the, the and, NFL you know. kind of uses colleges like yeah. their developmental league anyway. Oh yeah. You know, that's where the, the players come from college and they go to the NFL through the draft. And that's what I'm saying. Like, why not, why not do a game in which the, you know, you could actually get a chance to see guys that are, might be first, second, third round draft picks playing against an NFL, the, you know, champions and see yeah. how they actually play. So I just think that, you know, that, um, I just, I, you know, so that's, that's, that's why I love that photo. That actually comes from that, um, 36, uh, cha- uh, all star versus, uh, Lions. So. What else did you have in your bag of tricks there for us, Charles? Well, I wanted to talk. Yeah, I wanted to sort of keep on talking about the idea of the versatility of Presnell. You know, offense, right. defense. Um, you know, and so just a, a sort of a little overview um, of uh, so of his career, sort of just a, a quick timeline. So nineteen twenty nine to th- so nineteen twenty seven All American um, with Nebraska, as we already talked about. Nineteen twenty nine mm-hmm. to thirty Ironton Tanks beat uh, the Giants and Bears. Um, and then we talk, we've talked about in numerous other episodes with the story of the Spartans. Um, 1931 is Patsy Clark's first year. They bring, he brings um, Presnell over from Ironton. And so 31, 32, uh, we've talked about Portsmouth pretty extensively with that, you know, mm-hmm. with the finish up the season at the, that first NFL championship game. And then at the end of 32, we've, we've mentioned um, Dutch Clark retired. 
leaving Presnell the sole quarterback on the yep. team and the number one star. And so 1933, it's it's Presnell that leads the NFL in scoring with 64 points. All right, so this is just to give you an idea of the type of statistics he had back then. 100, 118 carries for 500, 522 yards. That's fourth in the league with six rushing touchdowns. That's number one. 47 completions, uh, so 47 pass completions, 125 attempts for 774 yards. That's wow. number two in the NFL with four touchdowns. Um, and, and then five field goals tied with uh, Chicago's Jack Manders and uh, New York Giants' Ken Strong for number one in the league. Wow. So just without a, just Dutch a renaissance there, man, yeah. Just so without Dutch there, he's you know doing all these things. And so in '34, of course they moved to the, they moved to Detroit, and um, Dutch Clark. I'm sorry, you know, D- you know Dutch Clark is back, and so now he's in a rotation with Dutch Clark. And so, um, and so 1934, Presnell finishes third in scoring with 63 points, which is just one point what he had less than the previous season. Mm-hmm. So 63 points, and th- he's third in scoring um, behind Jack Manders, who was number one with 76 points. And then he's in the number two was Dutch Clark with seventy three. Okay. So his own teammate is the second most scoring guy in the NFL behind, and so he's third behind his own teammate Dutch Clark. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so he has one hundred and seventeen rushes for four hundred thirteen yards, seven touchdowns, uh, thirteen uh, of fifty seven passing for two hundred thirty six yards and two touchdowns. I keep on there's a bunch of stuff. Like I say, we talk about the um. The uh, you know the field goal in 1934, the you know against the Packers, yep. and then 35. This is sort of why, I've, why I wanted to do this rundown. I you know I hate to do a bunch of stats and numbers and stuff like right, that, right. but it was to, to really to build up into 35 and sort of to, to kind of you know lead off towards the end of the show because um, because the 35 season really paints a picture for how cool um, for how great he was. Yeah. Um, so 1935, he had 28 points. Okay. So we've already talked about the, you know, briefly as we ran down the list here, we talked about 63 points in 34, 65 points, you know, 63 points in 34, 64 points. So he has 28 points, half the number in 35. Mm. Okay. And so that is because he is injured in game Mm. five. Okay. So Dutch, so, so he's in, so, so Glenn Presnell incurs an injury of a fractured vertebrae. Okay. In in the game five in his neck. Okay. He fractures a vertebrae in his neck in the game five of the season. So, like, I don't know much about doctoring or <laughs> science or whatever, mm. biology, but I do know that doesn't sound good. Nope. A fractured vertebrae in nope. a game in which you're, you know, like that, you know, it's a, it sounds like a pretty rough. So they tell them, they, so the doctors tell them, everybody tells them, like, at the very least, uh, you're going to miss the next six games. Shake it off, man. Shake it off. Yeah, there's no shaking off a fractured, <laughs> fractured vertebrae in your neck. Yeah, no. So the doctors tell him, you know, he says he's told that he's going to miss at the very least the next six games. So what that does, you know, that puts him coming back with like, if he's lucky with one game left in the season, if he's uh. lucky. Okay. He's back in four games. Uh. So he's back in four games. He doesn't miss six. He doesn't miss a yeah, minimum yeah, of yeah, six. Yeah, he's yeah. back in four games. Bash Taylor. Yeah. Uh. Or this is a guy that's, that's tough as nails. That's like, you know, I. Yeah, I got a, my neck's a little sore, but I can, you know, yeah. I'm just going to play through the pain, play through the pain of a fractured vertebrae, right? So anyway, so he comes back and forth. And the moment he comes back, we've, we, we've done an entire, you know, at least one episode talking about this. Yeah. But the, so I, I'm going to set the picture for maybe a viewer that's new or, or, or whatever, um, is the idea that, um, is, so this was the situation that the Lions found themselves in in 1935, their first championship. You know, we, we talk about the 34 Lions 
and how the, the, the they start off seven games. They weren't scored upon in seven games. They won their first ten straight games, um, and then they faded at the at the end of the year to the um, Bears and uh, to the Bears and Packers. Right, right. So they got knocked out of the, any potential of going to the championship, um, which was another in a string of just near misses of getting to the NFL championship and winning the NFL championship that they that this group of players had been through. Yeah. And so in 1935, they start out. The Lions start out awful. They're, I mean, the, the, they, and they start out awful. And then like literally at the very moment that the, the the big pressure for them was that the Detroit Tigers, who they had come to the, the one of the reasons that even come to the city was because of the Detroit Tigers. Um, uh, was to like you know they they were named the Lions because of the Tigers. They're trying to seize the sports enthusiasm of the Tigers. And so now in 1935. The, the the whereas the Tigers are winning the World Series, the Lions are in last place. The Lions are in last place, and they've got um. They, and so and not only are they in last place, but they just took the they just took the worst beating of their entire yeah. history against the, against the Green Bay Packers. Thir, it was a thirty one to seven or thirty one to six, whatever <sighs> it was. So they just so they just come off of the worst beating they ever took, thirty one to six. Um, against the Green Bay Packers, and in the, in the, in the, if they had, and they were in last place, the Tigers had just went at wrapping up the 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 World Series or thereabouts, right about that same moment. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they're in facing them is four games remaining. Okay, they got to beat the, they got to go back and play the Packers after they just got thrashed by them, thirty-one to six. Then they got to go play the Bears twice, who they had not beaten since nineteen thirty-one. And then they got to beat the Brooklyn Dodgers, who had beaten them earlier in the season to start the year. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, we already spoiled <laughs> it by saying that, Jamie. So they got to come back and beat the Brooklyn Dodgers at that. You know, just and they got to and they got to go undefeated. At the very least, they cannot they cannot lose. And even if they win them all, they still need help. Other teams have to get beaten and such and such just to have even a chance. But they know they know that this is. That the the Tigers had just won the World Series, and if they did not do something relevant, that this team could have gone into the dustbin just like three previous NFL right. attempts had done before them. And so this was, you know, this but this was not. They talk about nowadays the same old Lions. This was not that group. No. This was a group that had been together for a long time, as we've talked about. Their their history has you know tremendous history of these people together, and this is a group that and, and this is and this is the moment that Presnell comes back. Okay, <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. That's why this is. That's why he's like such a cool story with this, because he so he comes back, um, so he returns in four, and he returns. So they they they, they he missed the, the 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 second Packers game, which the Lions did win, um, but he comes back in time to face the Bears, um, in which we talked about in our previous episode was like I read a quote from the 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 they had two games in a row against the Bears, yeah. and the first game against the Bears was like one of the most brutal games that I've ever read about. Like they were talking about guys getting hauled off on stretchers, guys get fist fights all through the game. Like I mean it, like the article the, the quote that is from the story of the fir- like you, you know there's all these different games to read about but this one particular game um is like because the Lions are up against the wall. They know they're not like they've not beaten the Bears since 1931. They want a piece of the Bears and they know that their season's on the line. And so they're literally playing like, you know, like a lion against the wall and they then they they in the, by all accounts this is the most rugged, you know, battle that they, that this team had like ever faced, and they tied, uh. right? You know, they tied this first game against the Bears, and and, and, they, and so and that was the first game that Presnell comes back, um, you know, from this fractured vertebrae, you know, and he's part of this mauling type of a yeah, yeah. rolling type of a game, and so they tie that first game, 
And so then, and then the so the next game, this is really for the marbles because they, ties don't count for a loss or a win, but they need to get some wins to pick up some to generate some points for yeah. the, in the win column. And so the second game against the Bears is the Lions' first Thanksgiving Day game. All right, and so in that game, the Lions, you know, spoiler alert, Jamie, that's your cue there. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Lions win that first Thanksgiving. They, they it was the set. It was the, the the second game in their history, the second Thanksgiving game, but it was their first victory. Right, and the Lions win. And in the course of this action, Glenn Presnell in the first quarter has a forty yard punt return. Um, he and, the, and he and he also has a game clinching uh, interception in his own end zone in the fourth quarter. Nice. So that gives you an example. Like here, he has on one side returning a punt, and the other side he's you know getting an interception to close out the game. But it's the final game against Brooklyn, which you really see sort of the um, you know, like the uh, the, the you know the versatility here because this is the final game. Like this is the game they got to win. Um, they're playing against their old friend, Father Lumpkin, who we are, we've talked about. Yeah. And, and Lumpkin is now with the Dodgers, and Lumpkin had helped the Dodgers beat the Lions earlier in the season. And so they got to win this game. And so, um, and so in this game, the final game, Presnell catches a 20 yard pass from Ace Katowski. He kicks a 36 yard field goal. He intercepts a pass, which he ran back 37 yards to set up a touchdown by Ace Katowski. You see what I'm saying? Like, this guy is doing everything, man. He's like deep, like literally doing everything. That's amazing. So, Will, when he was living next door to you, did, did this, this persona come, come through? Now, let me clear something up. Glenn was not actually my neighbor. Glenn was my neighbor in that he lived one town over. From oh, fair play. Oh, okay. Fair so play. you okay. met him. I got you. Okay. I thought he was like literally just lived across the street from here or something. Well, he, he visited Portsmouth a lot. He Like I said, he he loved Portsmouth and he loved Ironton and he just loved the people yeah. in the area. Yeah. And he was, he was one of us and, you know. But that's what's cool, man. Like, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, the, the the idea that he, you know, fell in love with Portsmouth and Ironton in his po- football playing days, I mean, it's not it's not even a stretch. It's not I mean it, that that he would, you know, that that's the reason, one of the reasons, certainly, that he came back to live there because. Why else would he choose all the cities in the world? Why would he choose to go back to Ironton or Portsmouth? It's yeah. you know, I mean, you know, because he, you know, because he developed that bond while he was there in you know in the early days. I can, I mean, I mean, what he other would, conclusion could there be? He would really approve, and he would really appreciate this show immensely. Uh, he wanted to keep keep the memory alive of the Spartans. Uh, that was one of the reasons he wanted the. Uh, the, our dining room to be to be uh, you know to have the uh, history in it yeah. with the pictures and stuff. Sure, well, he wanted to keep that memory alive. Well, just to let you know, Will. I'm not sure if I told you before, but I wrote a screenplay for a movie on this entire subject. I've got it. It's a, right. yeah. It's like imagine a, imagine Band of Brothers. You maybe you've seen Band of Brothers. Have you guys all seen? Yeah. Band of Brothers? So uh-huh. it's it's basically I wrote it in the same style as Band of Brothers, um, where it's like an action. It's a it's a it's first of all it's a nine part miniseries. And um and it's and basically it's it's similar to Band of Brothers in which the action is what sort of drives forward the movie, you know. What I mean, it's not like you know somebody just sitting in their house going, oh, I wonder what you know I'm gonna do or whatever. It's not like a drama. It's not like a drama or something. This is an action packed. And so it's like I call it a a sports version of Band of Brothers. And of course, the you know the Lions story starts out in Portsmouth. That's where yeah. I, you know that's where I set yeah. the the very you know the the beginning of the Lions episode begins in Portsmouth. So. I'm just saying, how cool would it be? Just, I'm a dreamer, man. You know, I'm a, I'm a dreamer, yeah. but I like to think, you know, the dreams like lead to something potential. Um, but uh, imagine, you know, just a dream. Imagine how cool it would be, you know, if we when, when we make this movie, 
Okay, bring and we and we film. Well, oh, yeah, we're gonna bring you know we're gonna bring Presnell back. Of course, he's one of the main characters. The, the really the arc of the story of the Lions is the dynamic between Dutch Clark and Glenn Presnell. Yeah. Um, but uh, but what I think would be um, it's gonna be would be, how awesome would it be is if we film that movie on location in Portsmouth Stadium, oh, you know, yeah, Universal Stadium. Be, yeah. How cool would that be, man? Like that you know, like I mean, why not? Like where else would you film it? No, nope. where else? I mean, yeah. you've got literally the stadium still there. It's, it's still an yeah, NFL. Still like, any any 1930s movie you ever want to do, whether it's college football yeah. or anything, you where else would you film Heck it? Yeah. You know, and so but in this particular it's case, a beautiful setting there. I must yeah, but as right. I'm saying, in this particular case, like it's even more appropriate. It's like literally the place they played still in you know perfect state of preservation. So we got to wrap it up. But Tom, any last thoughts on uh, Presnell? Well, I, I saw him at the table, and my saddest moment was that when he left the uh, reunion halftime or when he went, that was my uh, first choice to interview because I talked to him a little bit at the table. And I wanted him to really tell him how he picked the colors for the mm. Lions yeah. up, up, up in yeah. uh, G.A. Richards' office up in the Fisher building. Yeah, I guess Richards had a bunch of uniforms, and Glenn went, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, no presentation. And, that, I, that, that, that's it. and I have another story that in the books about that, that moment. And, um, it's, and I forget, and, and I actually forget where I even, um, where I got the information from, but it's, it was like sort of an oral account from somebody that I met along the way. Um, that was on a good authority. I forget who it was. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, but this, but there was another story that said that like that, that Richards has actually showed his daughter as well. And that she also picked the color, like mm-hmm. basically reinforcing Glenn Presnell's mm-hmm. choice for the colors. Like he showed it to, you know, it was like, what do you think about this? And she's like, that's it. You know, like, so it was, so there was, you know, that, so he like identified it. And then in like, there's no telling how many sure. people that he re, you know, ran it past, but you know, the, but the initial color selection was, you know, Presnell, you know what I mean? And all right, Will, last, think, last thoughts. I think Glenn had been in Hawaii before it's Hawaii blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hawaiian. Yeah. yeah Hawaiian. Yeah. That, I think that's Glenn right, had been in Hawaii, but prior to that. Really? All right. And his wife. Yeah. So he still I had that Hawaiian. That. I might be mistaken. I, I'm getting older myself. I'm going I'm, with it, Will. I'm sticking I'm going with the with story. It, Will. Yeah, you brought it out here for the first time. <laughs> because he was in Hawaii. That's what makes right. a lot of sense to me. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for uh, hanging out tonight. Will, thanks for taking the time. It's and, great to and see you, Will. For thanks guys. for joining, man. I'm glad, really glad you jumped hey, out. I love today, you guys. I appreciate it. We appreciate you, sure too. Glenn would too. He's looking down and smiling at us right now. I appreciate it. Thanks. Tom, once again, absolutely an honor to have you with us here, sharing a microphone with uh, – a seasoned Randy, professional Randy. like you. I, I appreciate it. So, uh, all right. Detroit City of Champions, DetroitCityofChampions.com. Like, follow, subscribe. We appreciate everybody taking time with us. Charles, thanks for everything always that you my, do. Always my – I look forward to Thursday every week. Matt Fox making everything happen in the booth. I'm and, just uh, pushing buttons, man. I'm Jamie and uh, Detroit City of Champions. We'll see you next time.